Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Damon Edwards, sales and marketing manager of Perfect Profiles, a provider of low-cost medical solutions. Damon, hello. Hi there, Matthew. Hi, how are you? Thank you for coming on the program today. We might as well dive straight in. What does Brilliant. the word leader mean to you? I, I think to, to myself, it's, so, it's someone that inspires. I think there can be kind of several aspects, you know, involved in leadership, dependent on both the industry and the context of kind of where you are. But for, for, for myself, ultimately, it's, it's someone that kind of inspires somebody to want to do better in a particular avenue, mm-hmm. um, to put it, you know, quite, you know, very succinctly. Um, but yeah, as I say, in, inspiring others to do better or, or to, in leading a way forward. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Well, I, I, I think as um, time progresses, it, you, you need to have several aspects. I, I, I don't think there's kind of many industries now, or certainly that I've been involved in, where you know an autocratic sort of style would, you know, purely be, be the way, and, and equally a democratic sort of style, you know, leading the way when everything's up for debate and, and conference. I, I think you do need to kind of blend certain styles and aspects. I mean, with, with, my, with myself, I think there's certain aspects of, of your own role or your own industry that you will know through, through experience and that, you know, you'll know how, how it works. If for, my, for myself, you know, that's more on the kind of the sales and marketing side, obviously. So it's about kind of knowing or attempting to know, second guess the kind of buying behaviors of those people um, that are looking at your industry. So for myself, obviously, it's a private dental um, clinic that, that people come to. And so, again, we've got to try and find those sorts of areas where people are, are going to be the trigger points, if you like, that are going to make people where they're going to look when they lose a tooth or they've got a dental problem. You know, how are they going to contact you? And so it's about making sure all of your staff or the people you work with, as soon as they have that contact from that potential for ourselves patient, but customer, if you want to use it as a more um, generic word, that they're able to get the help they want, the guidance they want on that on the phone, and that reassurance in our certainly in our industry. I think anything with you know medic, medically based, you know, can be frightening and you know create anxiety for a lot of people. So it's just making sure that all your staff and colleagues have the tools and the knowledge at hand to be able to help those people. You're, you know, you're trying to attract, and a lot of that comes through experience and those people with experience as they passing that on to whether it's newcomers, you know, new new colleagues in, into the into the into the company, or people that have simply maybe been away for a while and need you know refocusing on you know particular aspects that will, that will help you know those customers stroke patients. Well, let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you were first starting out. Was there yeah. a particular influence or a person who formed the way that you lead today? I mean, I, th- I, I, th- I think so. <laughs> I think it's probably, you know, a lot of it on a subconscious level. Um, but I've, my first, if you like, main job was at a health club, like a gym, um, sell- selling member- memberships there. That was probably about kind of 15, almost 20 years ago now. 
Um, and, and again, we progressed, progressed through the, the stages there. Mm-hmm. But my, my manager there, it was, it was very, very target based. It's exactly you know what you think of when you think of a, a sales job. It was commission based in, in, in terms of you know what you take home. Um, and, and again, there was day, daily targets in terms of the amount of people you speak to, the amount of people that you'd get to come into the gym, and obviously the amount of people that would sign up for the gym. So it was a very intense environment. And I think starting off there, when you are younger, you know, full of energy, you're full of enthusiasm and, you know, eagerness to learn. It was it was a great environment and it also, you know, gave me a lot of strength because obviously there are times when, you know, t- targets, are, you know, don't seem achievable or just whatever you've been doing doesn't seem to work in the same way mm-hmm. that, it has, that it has previously. Um, you know, and so again, you're having to explain that to your your management or, you know, try and ex- explain the results. And so I think sometimes when you've been in that slightly higher pressure in- environment compared to other aspects, you know, it's, whether it's sales jobs or industries, I think having experienced that, it, give, it gives you a focus. It, it, number one, makes you know how those, when you're a manager, how those people you're giving targets to, you know, are going to feel and if they're achievable or unachievable, it gives you that bit of experience. Again, if things are going say not so good you're not getting the results you want in terms of maybe people through the door or revenue in um you know should you keep on doing what you're doing and hope for it to turn what aspects should you look at changing you know and obviously how you motivate those people that you know and again i I say i was that person you know trying to stay motivated at times when you know it seems like you could you know you just can't make a sale on certain days or you know get people through the door so it's about perseverance and you learn different techniques um, my, my, I say my manager at that time, it, it was a female. Um, and, and so again, she was very, very strong. And, and again, it, that probably kind of gave me an early understanding that say females and males, you know, there's not a lot of difference, you know, between them, you know, apart from certain aspects of biology, but yeah, in, in terms of management, you know, females and males can both be strong, both be gentle, both be enthusiastic, you know, and both be motivational or the opposite. And, you know, in, in some cases, but yeah, no, I, I look back on it now as a, quite a blessing I had a very strong motivated target driven manager manager at that, at that time I don't know that it would have suited me to kind of work under somebody like that forever because I think anything where there's such intense tar- intense targets you need to have a natural break after a, cert- a certain while just to refresh yourself you're, you're mentally physically you know and, and your whole approach to the, the you know your job or your role at that time in terms of what you're doing um but as I say, it was a, it was definitely a great experience and helped me progress. Cer- certainly, and I, I think I certainly take on board not not only aspects of you know that first, if you like, proper manager from the, from the health club, um, but again in my manager subsequently in, in other roles I've been in. You know, I've, I've tried to take the you know the the important points and and the way they handle people and things I've agreed with or maybe disagreed with, and and try not to kind of blend that into you know, your own individual sort of mix and, you know, and then also kind of you hang your hat on that, that that's going to be the, the best way to help and motivate your staff and obviously achieve the results for the business that you need. And if I was to press you to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? It's, it's a, that's a tough one. I, I, again, there's, a, there's a, a couple of certain people, in, and I say going on my own sort of point of view, um, in terms of inspirational, um, two two people, two or three people immediately stru- um, sprung to mind there. One would be someone like Nelson Mandela in terms of that inspirational aspect. I think certainly when you look back in the the nineties, obviously when he when he was released, and you know, and then obviously kind of you know took the path onto 
becoming the, the president um, of South Africa, it, you know, everyone was inspired, not only, you know, South Africans, I think polit- politicians, you know, right through to the, you know, the man, the man on the, on the street, you, you, you know, had that sort of kind of inspirational feelings and, and wanted to kind of, you know, you'd want to do well for, for him. Obviously, that's a, a little bit further afield. And obviously, you know, there's a complicated history going back, going back there several decades. For us, for ourselves here, here in England, obviously, you can look to someone like Winston Churchill, who obviously kind of, you know, inspired the nation during the, during the war, both with kind of, you know, his, his words primarily, Primarily, but obviously, eventually, the ultimate actions that you know the the, the country took under him in terms of you know, I say, achieving the defeat of Germany. So again, both both of those people kind of have figureheads, um, if, if you like, and both have left a long lasting impression. Not not always favourable for everybody that looks on it, you know, on either of them. As I said, I think there's pros and cons to every character. I think that's part of human nature. Um, but but I think in terms of the legacy they've left and how they acted at the time and the people that served under them. Um, you know, I, I, I'd certainly point out those two as, you know, two important figures, you know, for me in terms of, you know, what I think of as leadership and people taking you through or taking you on a journey with them. Unfortunately, our time together is very much drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store uh, for Perfect Profiles? So we've got two, we've got two cl- two clinics at the, at the moment. One's next door to Luton in Bedfordshire. The other one's in Wolverhampton in the West Midlands. We're looking to kind of increase as as per any business really, um, but increase obviously our footfall through the door and the services we're able to offer. We specialise in, re- in replacing mi- missing teeth, and it's it's one of those things that kind of unfortunately at the moment anyway, um, you know, there's always gonna there's always gonna be a need. There's always people that are gonna have an accident with their mouth or anything like that. You know, some some people just due to circumstances might not have taken great care of their teeth maybe when they were younger or their diet might have affected it even medication can affect it um, so, so again it's one of those industries where there's always going to be a need from certain people and so it's a, you know it's going to be up to us to capitalise on that so again it's making sure we stay on trend with things like social media um, again looking at our target market which does tend to be in the main kind of 40, 45 plus um, in, in terms of age um, an equal split I'd say between male and female so it's about kind of investigating and maintaining in the avenues that we currently do, um, but of course keeping abreast of all new ideas and technologies that kind of you know come along. And really, one one of the things that we've always tried to do at Perfect Profiles is be innovative with, in terms of our advertising, the message we try and give. We try and make, give it make the messages different from a traditional kind of clinic where it's just a picture of an apple and you, you know something like that. We we do try and kind of create the emotional aspect as I say for most people or for a lot of people of course eating is a big thing to do with teeth but we, we find and having worked in this industry for a long while now actually teeth is the social aspect it's, it's, how, it's the ego if you like it's how they make you feel if you get invited out and you, you're missing a tooth or you've got a wobbly tooth or teeth that maybe don't look as you want them to um, you know that can prevent you ultimately in the longer term it can lead some people that really get depressed and then they get worried because they can't afford maybe the you know the treatment they need to get their teeth right so it's about trying to get to those people earlier provide the help the help that they need you 
know, we brought in a tagline last year called Helping You Smile. So again, we offer things like finance. So we do try and kind of, you know, make something that is kind of, you know, relatively ex- expensive, mm-hmm. um, you know, as accessible for as many as, as we can. And I say it will be the role and the aim to kind of maintain that and increase the amount of people that know about us. Well, Damon, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much look forward to speaking with you again at some point in the future where we can elaborate further on these topics. Uh, Damon, Brilliant. Thank you. thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. That was Damon Edwards, Sales and Marketing Manager of Perfect Profiles. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain 
um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. It was a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, well, I do I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge when it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years he, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in your organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. 
there was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing. And I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay, he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important, to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? 
And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when... See, this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you 
as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well, he's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know, uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath, and there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish. After '66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. 
And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. You- we have some great players, of course, but without the attitude okay. alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mindedness, dedication, Dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may you know have a wait, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.